Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again to the Fallout Bar. It is night six of the Kazoo Grand Slam of Darts. And Fallout Bar here at Online Darts brought to you in association association with our friends at Foil Sport this week. Uh, once again, joined by Charlie and Luke, two boys that have already been on the show earlier this week. So welcome back, gents, on a night that, on paper, promised a lot. We've got a couple of stories, but actually, I'm left a little bit disappointed, Charlie. Yeah, I think we overhyped the night, didn't we? On paper, it was, it was going to be one of the the best nights and you know if, if you could get a ticket you wanted to be there but um some of the games i'm ca- quite thankful we didn't get the full the full monty out of them because <laughs> i think we'd have still been sat here watching the the mvg game so um look some of the games were good there was parts of games which were really good but all in all it was a bit of a disappointing night really it was indeed, especially, I mean, we're going to talk about all the games one by one, Luke, but that, that second game was a real tough watch. Peter Wright against Jose de Souza. Um, it's what happens when we big things up here on Online Darts. If we all predict the same thing or back the same winner, it doesn't come in. If we tell you that last night games were meant to be not anywhere near as good as tonight, this is what happens. I'm not going to lie, it reminded me of a first round world championship game between an international qualifier and one of the low players on the pro tour. It was pretty shocking, but you know, at least MVG and Anderson redeemed what was potentially a poor affair across the night. But yeah, a good, a good last game to finish. It was indeed. Now, where I really, really want to start tonight, because it was the best game, would be Michael Van Gogh against Gary Anderson, El Clasico at darts, delivered and sort of saved the night in terms of performances but we're gonna have to start somewhere else because Fallon Sherrick is potentially one win away in this tournament from effectively sealing her tour card as a non-tour card holder through the order of merit she defeats Mensor Sulevich 10-5 she just keeps winning games Charlie she does I mean she Mensor was miles off what we're used to seeing from him um, this week, I've been really impressed with him, and you know he's been—he was lighting on the doubles in his last game, um, and I expected him to to get uh, maybe not get revenge tonight, but I expected him to be to be a little closer with with Fallon. But she didn't really have to do too much to 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 sort of stretch that lead. Mensa's scoring was nowhere. Neither was Fallon really, but again, she just seems to to win, doesn't she? And as Luke said the other night when we were on, it just seems to be written in the stars for her. It really does at the minute. Luke, Charlie touched on Mensor's doubling stats throughout the tournament. They weren't horrendous in this match either. Five from 12, 41%. Normally that would do you all right. The problem is, at an 84 scoring average, you just had absolutely nothing in the scoring phase. 
Yeah, and you know what? We could have said he's obviously had a period out of darts, and you could have you could have put that to blame. But to be fair, he was good in the group stages. So has he just felt a little bit of pressure once again against Fallon? Who knows? But it was a poor display, and to be honest, he gave her far too many chances, and, and she took it once again. So you cannot fault her for that. But yeah, he looked really flat tonight. It was quite a disappointing performance. I, I really was expecting him to come out at least at least get to sort of ten eight, ten nine. But to, to be pretty much hammered by Fallon Sherrick is. Um, it's a little bit disappointing for him. It is to be hammered by a 90 average as well. Yeah. We do have to talk about Fallon though, because you can only beat what is in front of you. This run for her continues. And I don't want to sound like we're downplaying what she's achieving. There's an awful lot of talk around Fallon Sherrick at the minute. So we're trying to be a little bit diverse, make sure everyone gets the coverage. But obviously, she is pretty much the golden ticket right now in terms of darts, Charlie. As I said, she's into the quarterfinals of a PDC televised ranking event. It's just a fantastic achievement for her. Yeah, exceptional achievement. And um, you've just got to look at what, who or who she will inspire from this run and that she's on at the moment. The more that she's she's doing well, the more um, younger generation will watch the sport, maybe in particular females who will come in and, and, and see what she's doing. Um, but look, she's coming up against some of the best players in the world and she's going toe-to-toe with them. So she deserves all the credit she's getting at the moment. Um, and you never know, is it, is it is the next stage, next round, another a step too far for her? Or is it still written in the stars? Well, only time will tell, really, won't it? If, if you want to play somebody in the next round that's one of the top players because you, <laughs> you run into one of the top seeds, you possibly want the one you're going to run into because he's in terrible form right now, despite winning. But we will get on to him shortly. Um, some some headline stats for you for the game. Then 10-5 Fallon Sherrick. She averages 90.58, two-ton plus checkouts, including that one two four on the bullseye, 47%, 10 from 21 on the doubles. Mensal Sulevic, just the 84 average, 1184 and a 106 checkout, 41% on the doubles, five from 12. Um, I think there's nothing left to do really in this one apart from hear from Fallon Sherrick and see what she's got to say for herself after winning another game on a PDC stage. Yeah, definitely. I just want them to kind of produce their good game against me because I love it when they hit it back against me because it makes me play better. It makes me more like, come on, you, they've hit 180, follow it. Um, I don't really like it when they hit like not very good scores because it kind of just like, okay, now you've got to try and score back. But it's really hard when they're like off par. Um, but yeah, no, I want them to kind of be like, I'm playing Fallon, not because I'm a woman. Lovely words. If only some other people in the world were realising exactly <laughs> the same sentiment right now. Um, she did make a good point, though, and as, as much as her achievements have been brilliant, I, I said it again, I don't want to downplay it, I don't want to make it sound like we're coming across with an agenda in either direction, but she was bang on about, I don't think we've seen the best of Fallon Cherok in the tournament. She, she was brilliant against Mike Decker, but she hasn't really had it coming back at her. The one time she did against Gabrielle Clemens with her back against the wall, she produced. She produced four legs in a row of 109 average. Super. We're yet to really see that again. And the way that Peter Wright is playing, Charlie, we might not see that in the next round either. Yeah, I mean, again, that was another tough game to watch. So um, I was sat with my dad watching the game. We both could not believe what was going on from the majority of the games tonight. But that's not. it's not an easy game for her, but... 
with the way he played tonight, there's no reason why if, if he gives a little bit back to her, she can produce her A game and there's an opportunity that that could go all the way and she could easily nick it there as well. She could indeed. That full interview, guys, is up on our YouTube channel where you are watching us right now, evidently. Don't jump over there just yet. But once we do finish the show, jump over there and give that one a full watch. Make sure you give it a like and possibly even a comment while you're there. Let us know what you think about what Fallon Jerick is saying. And while you're here, don't forget to give this stream a like too and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, we're going to move on, boys. Um, we're going to move on to the first game of the night because it's a little bit more interesting than the second game of the night. I probably should have warned you what order we're going to go in this evening. But, you know, we, we can work on the fly here. Michael Smith, 10. Joe Cullen, 5. 95 average plays. 92, Luke, um, good pace, lots of high scoring, plenty of missed doubles. That makes for a good game. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good watch, actually. I mean, Michael Smith, obviously, ended the game, could have ended it with a flurry with a, with a nine-dart outshot. He was, he was close, but yeah, he's flown really well. He looked really quite quite comfortable on stage today. I don't think Joe Cullen quite quite matched what he needed to, really, to, to get to get himself over the line, but... Nonetheless, it, it was it was a really good pace. It was it was probably the second best game of the night. So thoroughly enjoyed it. But yeah, whether Michael Smith can can up that level because he's you know ninety three average. Is it going to cut it against MVG on the current form? Probably not. So definitely needs to up it a few percentage points. But he's, he's looking smooth. And if he can sharpen up on the doubles, then I don't think he's too far away in the scoring phase. Yeah, Charlie. Plenty of us here at Online Darts have backed Michael Smith to potentially get over the line in a PBC televised tournament. For the first time this week, after seeing the rest of the field and the way that Bully Boy is performing at this very moment, I am very, very close to reconsidering that. That being said, there have been good signs from the scoring phase was brilliant between both of them. No Tom Plus checkouts once again for either of these two, but 12 180s between them. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the scoring phase in Marcus Smith's game. It's just can he switch that finishing on when he needs it the most? Yeah, and games like that are what you want to see, aren't you? You want to see fast-paced games, 180s flying in. The missed doubles adds to the excitement. You don't want to see a slow-paced game. Um, and both players complemented each other with that. There wasn't a case of Michael Smith throwing quickly and another player coming in and throwing considerably slower. It, they both complemented each other well. But Michael Smith hasn't hit his top form yet this tournament, so maybe that's still to come. Um, but, you know, he's he's coming up against some players now who we've seen tonight and last night who are starting to click at the right stage of the tournament. So whether he can get over the line in the next game, that remains to be seen. But, you know, he'll still he'll still take tonight's performance. There's still areas to work on. Uh, and that's the main thing for him now is to just rest up and go again, um, you know, in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Luke, a quick word on Joe Cullen before we hear from Michael Smith this evening. As much as Michael Smith has been the bridesmaid a little bit, at some PDC events in the past where he's finished runner-up a number of times. Joe Collins seems to be the man that's just there in the last 16 or the last eight, but he's really yet to deliver that top, top performance to push on any further other than that match play appearance against Gary Anderson a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, he, he is still, he's, he's on the cusp of potentially a, a Premier League spot if it was extended to something like 16 players. He just hasn't done quite enough to get himself in that in that 10 spot. So it, it's going to need a couple of performances. He, he's probably not going to get it unless he has a huge run at the World Championships. But the good the good signs are there. You know, we've seen an, an increase in performance. He's playing far better than he was last year. I think the confidence keeps growing and I, I do see him potentially stepping up towards the top 10 at some point next year, maybe a Masters run. But he's still definitely got a little bit to go. Potentially, fallen 
follow the same sort of line that, that Michael Smith's been along. You know, once you get over that performance hurdle, you can win some tournaments. Then you, then, you know, you can obviously take the next step and essentially do it on TV. You could do it with a, Euro, a European Tour potentially event, win next year again, and then step up from there. We, he has obviously done it before, and it's possible, but he needs another couple of club of floor tournaments, maybe a European Tour, and then I think he's ready to kick on the TV. Well, he went into the European Championships as number one seed a couple of years back. It will be interesting with the full return of the European Tour next year. I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but it will be interesting how many players just regain that ability to win in front of a big crowd, because that is a massive, massive, almost proving ground for some of these players transitioning into PBC televised majors. Them crowds are quite hostile sometimes. They're very, very loud. Some venues are really tight and packed up on you. They represent the, the venues that we've got on the tour really, really well. And they play over a pretty decent format as well over the weekend. <laughs> Um, let's then, folks, hear from Michael Smith in his post-match press conference, and let's see what the bully boy had to say for himself today. Well, a lot of years to go, but listen, if I keep playing rubbish and keep winning, I don't care. But I just, I just know there's a lot more gears to come. But the W is more important. That, that, that's all that matters: is getting that W, getting that win. Short, sweet, to the point. Michael Smith is here to get results and performances do not matter to the bully boy, which I think is a, is a shift in mentality. We haven't really seen that approach from bully boy before. Normally, it's all, I'm not playing very... It's always about how he's playing first today. And this entire week, it's been results. I just want the result. I just want to get over the line. And that shift in mentality might just take Michael Smith a little bit further in this tournament. Okay, game number three of the night. I said I really would like to talk about Michael Van Gogh and Gary Anderson, but we're going to do it so that we've got the clip ready for you to play from his interview. Um, we're going to talk about possibly the worst game of the night right now. Um, Peter Wright against Jose de Souza. Um, Peter Wright getting over the line in a last leg decider. Charlie, there's, there's no other way to say this. This was a very tough watch. It was a tough watch. And the fact that we had to sit for 19 legs of it and it went it went right the way to the end it's just it was excruciating to watch to be honest but look I've, you've become accustomed to Jose being so strong in his scoring and his firepower it just wasn't there tonight there was lots of missed doubles um, and both players just weren't on their best and if either if either player was they'd run away with it so luckily for for, for Peter Wright Jose wasn't on his best form and, and but Jose could have come away with a 10-6 10-7 win and and wrapped it up pretty easily so Peter Wright has, has dodged a bullet there Luke do you think that was the issue tonight that both players knew it was a pretty good opportunity you've got Fallon or Mensor waiting for you in the next part of the draw you can see your opponent struggling a little bit and then they just struggle to kick on themselves because they start trying that extra little bit too hard to get the result or just to up the level of the performance I'm honestly not sure they're even thinking about the opponents tonight. You know, both of them have been struggling for form in, in the group stages, and they and they walked in that match to be honest, knowing that they had potentially, if they went all the way, 19 legs to try and turn it round. But neither of them could do. There was there was phases where both players, to be honest, had leads and potentially could have run away with it. I mean, Jose de Souza should have gone seven four up, missed his chances. Right comes back, and it was just a tail of the tape. You just could not get away from each other. It was a really tough watch because the the scoring phase was disjointed. It wasn't even a tail of missed doubles because at times the score of Peter Wright, the odd twenty eight here and there, was was absolutely shocking. He's just not on the sort of form he needs to be, especially when at the start of the year we were potentially looking at. 
MVG, Wright, Wright and Price all run away with it this year and really been the dominant force. He obviously has won some TV events, but coming towards the end of the year, the, the, the real big event coming up in the World Championship, and he's well off form. He is well off form indeed. Charlie, I'm going to I'm gonna big myself up a little bit here because I made a bit of a joke on social media earlier. There's been a lot of talk about how marketable Balan Sherrick is over the last couple of days. Peter Wright then rocks up on day number six of the Grand Slam with a barrel that looks almost identical to Fallon Sherrick's with his world championship style design on it. Got a little bit of pushback on Twitter. And then in his post-match interview, he goes, oh yeah, I threw Fallon's darts in the practice room the other night and I went back to my own version of them. She's even influencing the top players in the world. It's uh, it, You never know what kind of darts he's going to bring out, do you really? Um, I think his best bet is probably just to bring them out in a suitcase and just leave them <laughs> on the bottom of the stage and then he can just choose what he wants at any point. Um, but hey, look, she's getting in with the crowd, isn't she? She's getting in with the players. The players must enjoy being there with her. Um, and whatever works for Peter Wright, you know, as long as he gets the job done, I think, for him, then that's all that matters. But I think there's got to be a point eventually when he sticks to a pair of darts that are going to gonna win him tournaments and, you know, the consistency will continue. I think we're only a couple of weeks away from Peter Wright doing an exhibition at a sushi bar and he just picks up the next set of darts off the conveyor belt and gives them a chuck between every visit because the man's just ridiculous with what he opts to play with. The defending champion, though, Jose D'Souza, is out for a little bit flat tonight. However, the match play champion is through and after throwing her darts, it was very, very complimentary about his competitor, his opponent in the next round it should be but it's not, it's not up to me but uh, you know uh, it would probably be disappointing for the top two women not not to because they, they want to raise their game to higher levels and obviously uh, they're going to be playing high levels every single game they know they've got you know at least 90 or 95 plus tons and everything all the time uh, no disrespect to the other ladies that are coming through and trying and stuff like that but Lisa and Fallon uh, the ones that are doing 100 averages 90 averages all the time so uh, that will only improve their art so hopefully they can you know the rules change and they get a talker to translate Peter Wright believes the ladies series winners should get a tour card, which I'm going to reiterate, I am not against at all if the rules are set out ahead of the tournament. To do it now, I'd be a little bit aggrieved with, and I think there'll be plenty of players floating around uh, between 64 and top of the challenge floor, etc., that might have a little bit of an issue with it. Um, if the rules are set out before the start of play, absolutely. Let's not forget... The PDC refused to change the criteria for the European Championship this year that meant Johnny Clayton, a man who had already won two televised titles at that point, possibly even three, was the Grand Prix before the Euros? Yes. It was. Three TV title winner missed out of the European Championships because of the qualifying criteria, and they refused to change the rules mid-season. Let's see how the PDC respond to this one. Right, boys, it is time we get to talk about the best game of the night, potentially one of the best games of the tournament so far, especially 
uh, over this longer format. The last 16, it, it's certainly been up there. Um, heading into this game, you could be forgiven for thinking it was only going to go one way, a little bit drab, potentially one-sided. Van Gerwen has, has been on the up for the last few weeks. Gary Anderson's form has, has not quite been there, but we all know he's got that moment when it clicks. Tonight, Charlie, it clicked. Gary Anderson looked very, very good. Actually finishes with the slightly higher average, but loses 10-8 to Michael Van Gerwen. Yeah, and I think it was just about the crucial moments in this game, wasn't it, that that divided the two. The break at 5-4 um, when Gary lost his strife. When I sat watching, I thought that is, that's a big moment because MVG just needs that two-leg um, advantage and you know you knew that he had the cushion. But look, MVG played really well. So did Gary Anderson. So both players were, were sort of went punch for punch, didn't they, with each other? You know, I'll hit a 180, you hit a 180. And, you know, the checkouts were there as well to see. So, um, look, MVG's been pushed a long way in that game. Um, but it just strengthens everyone's point that, you know, the form is back for, for Michael and, you know, he's looking somewhere near his best. He is indeed the game, Luke. Very, very back and forward. Van Gogh and led after leg one, but then it took him a long, long time to get back in front again. You always just felt, though, that Gary Anderson needs to be that little bit further ahead because of the recent form. Van Gogh just had that, that moment of brilliance in the locker when he needed it. Yeah, I mean, it was credit to, to Gary Anderson for keeping Van Gerwen interested. It, it wasn't a, a rollover. And I think some people expected the way that MVG has been shaping up for this tournament, that it could even be 10-6, 10-5. But actually, it was a lot closer than potentially we were seeing. I think, to be honest, Gary Anderson is now peaking at the perfect time. And I think the World Championships could be a very good opportunity for him to potentially make another semi-final or a final. But for MVG, I think now we're looking at the draw. I haven't said it in any of the pre previous TV tournaments because I didn't believe that he was in the sort of form that he needed to be to win it. But I really feel this time he's got a massive chance. I think probably Clayton's going to be his biggest challenger in the final if he gets there. But I think... You've got bold. You've got bold. We haven't even done predictions for tomorrow. Look, you just knocked out the world number one. <laughs> well, maybe I've, maybe, I've spoiled, maybe I've spoiled my predictions. But I think that's going to be the big challenge because, to be honest, Michael Smith's still not there on the doubles. And to be honest, Fallon Sherrick or Peter Wright, whoever it is, I don't fancy them on the current form, so MVG should be getting himself into a final and then finally taking this TV title that he needs to win this year just for a bit of confidence going to the world. He does indeed. Um, unfortunately, the clip is not ready yet. Phil Bars is slacking, <laughs> I think, because he's behind a very, very long queue of people that were A, talking to Fallon Sherrick and then B, talking to Marco Van Gogh. And so if we do get a clip of Marco Van Gogh before the end of the show, you know full well, guys, I will <laughs> drop it in for you. If not... It will be on our YouTube channel before the end of the day. I absolutely promise you that much. So you can head over there and watch that one. Um, time to look ahead to tomorrow. But before we do, guys, quick reminder, please, please, please drop us a like on the stream. It really does not cost you guys anything. In fact, if we get to 50 likes on the stream tonight, tomorrow night, despite the fact she's not playing, I will promise to put a poll up saying, should Fallon Sherrick be in the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my promise to you guys you know how I treat you right and I can't I, I don't know if I can spoil it or not but I've done you all guys a favour I have got you a giveaway not for tonight for Monday's show for the 50th episode but I, I really don't know how we're going to do this either but somehow some way we're going to be giving away a signed dartboard from the World Seniors Qualifiers it hasn't got everybody on it but it has got the two qualifiers 
Kevin Burness and Richie Howson and Helen Chamberlain's signature on it. That dartboard with those three signatures will be going to one of our watchers on Monday night um, as part of our 50th live show giveaway. So please, uh, 50th live lounge show. Um, so please, please, please make sure you join in. Phil is also working on something from his end. And myself and Lee are going to be um, having a little bit of a chat tomorrow about what else we can do for you guys as part of our 50th show. Obviously, there is plenty to talk about too. Um, like I said, boys, on to tomorrow night and just the two games to look ahead to. This is the niche area of the Grand Slam schedule. No Saturday afternoon session. Two quarterfinals, then two quarterfinals, then two... Then, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me. Double session on the Sunday when they've got to play the final. No. Double that up on the Saturday. Um, Game number one, boys. All English clash. Um, The last two World Cup captains, I believe, for England. James Wade and Rob Cross will do battle for a place in the last four. Charlie, you know how this game works by now, and you're definitely going to make the comment, I was hoping you'd go to Luke first. <laughs> well, um, before I, I, I give my prediction, I'm just going to say what a rubbish night it looks. Because I'm not going to say, <laughs> you know, it does the going to say that it looks amazing because it'll end up being really poor. So, um, I, I, look, I think the first game has the be an absolute thing between two players who could really go toe to toe throughout the game. Now, I think it, again, I think it goes all the way, but I think Rob Cross, just in the form that he's in, will get over the line against James Wade. Um, now, whether that's somewhat like 10 7, 10 8, maybe, um, if he can get up, if he can get that break sort of as the game progresses, but um, I think. Rob Cross gets the job done just, um, and I think he wins 10-8. Luke, over to you. If I'm not mistaken, it's first to 16, isn't it? So if he's 10-8, then he's still got six legs to win. He is. <laughs> I forgot that bit. Another niche part of this. Why does the format jump so big? To yeah. Um, so yeah why they've two quarterfinals tomorrow, because they play forever. I'm going to be honest, and again, it doesn't really relate to the match, but that's where I, I like the Grand Slam group phase. I, maybe they should do a, a second group or work at the small group group matches. The first few days when you have an eight games is so exciting because you get different players on the stage all the time. Suddenly now we're down to basically just a repeat of the match player, but there you go. That's just the way the, the Grand Slam works. But yeah, for me, I agree with Charlie. I think Rob Cross, I can't believe I'm saying this because if you'd asked me three months ago, I wouldn't have said he'd be anywhere near, but he's in a rich fin of form. I think he beats Wade. I think it, it'll still go quite far. James Wade it definitely didn't roll over. I really expected Robbie John to come through that one, so he absolutely stunned me uh, winning by that much. So I think it'll be a bit closer than potentially um, the Robbie John game was. I'm going to go with 16-12 to, uh, to Rob Cross, but yeah, I think James Wade does keep himself in that match even though Rob Cross is playing so well. Charlie, back to you <laughs> to see if the extra long format changes your score prediction. <laughs> My bad on that one. Yeah, it's, it should do. <laughs> um, I think I stick with it. I think Rob Cross wins, but I think he wins 16-12. Um, I think he wins 16-12. 
this one is very, very simple, boys. It is all about the first five legs. Because whatever James Wade produces in those first five legs is what you're going to get from him for potentially all 31 legs. That's just the way the man works. He doesn't go up a level. He doesn't go down a level. Whatever he steps onto that stage throwing is what he will maintain. And if that is somewhere in the low 90s, he will get taken to town by Rob Cross in his current form. If it's high 90s or mid 90s with a very, very good doubling percentage, he has a chance, especially as it stays deep. This will be the longest test of Rob Cross's career in the last year or so, at least. He hasn't really been that deep in anything. Europeans, first to 11. Other than that, I don't think he's gone over this stage for a while now because of a couple of early exits. Um, that being said, I do think Rob Cross will win this one. I think it goes quite long. I think he wins 16-13. Um, James Wade's mentality on, on stage this week has, has been night and day from what we've seen from the last couple of days, last couple of weeks even. Um, and I, I really, really don't know where he found this form from. He was in absolutely no form whatsoever coming into this tournament. I was just glad that he won a game in the group. Then he took Rob Cross to town, which might play a big part of this, but I just don't see him producing that level over that amount of time once again. So I'm going to go Rob Cross 16, James Wade 13. Then, boys, then, 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 I have lost track how many times we have looked ahead to this matchup this year. They seem to be running into each other at every single possible opportunity. And Johnny Clayton even mentioned that yesterday in his post-match interview as well. It is the battle of the Welsh teammates. It is Gerwin Price against Johnny Clayton. And it is possibly the two best players in the world right now, Luke. What a quarterfinal this could be. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it is, there's going to be fireworks. I think Gerwin Price is obviously going to step it up from what he did against Bradley Brooks. I think out of the two games, you know, we I expected Johnny Clayton, the belief he's got now to dispatch Nathan Rafferty quite quickly and did that very comfortably. Obviously, Gerwin Price was pushed far. He's, he's going to up his level every time he comes up against Johnny Clayton, we get a good match. But I've already sort of spoiled it because I think Johnny Clayton's going to make the final. So I'm saying this is going to be 16-11 to Johnny Clayton. I think Gerwin Price, he'll be there for the first three breaks. After we go through probably 8-7 to Johnny Clayton, I think he starts to tail off and I think we start to see Johnny pulling clear. With just the form he's on, I think he's he's got another chance of a good another good shot at a TV title. But I'm going to go with, with Johnny Clayton to win this one. Luke Price has spoken... Uh, not Luke. Luke's just spoken. Charlie, Price has spoken this week about needing to get that much-needed aggression back into his game. He sort of let um, Johnny Clayton off the hook the last time these two met. Do you think he'll do that again? Uh, he just can't seem to get over the line, can he, against Johnny Clayton? And I think some that's not been right all week for him. I think we touched on it yesterday about just how he, the, the breaks that he's had probably haven't helped him. Um, I do think Clayton wins, and I think he wins 16-10. Um, I just think his finishing and scoring is, is exceptional at the moment, and Price is just a little bit hit and miss. Um, but as the game goes on, you never know, his A-game may come out, but he needs that aggression and he needs something to fire him up because if he doesn't, the ferret will just will just take him to town. For me, Clayton is by far the more consistent performer right now. 
Um, he's, he's playing darts from a different level. I, I genuinely can't believe we didn't see him at the European Championship. That that horrid little qualifying criteria over two events. Clayton losing twice, which is pretty much unheard of this year. But he has been so so good this year to win three, four TV titles in a calendar year. Something that only Van Gerwen and Bill Taylor have done in the PDC era is, is ridiculous. And the thing is, I was sat here on the Live Lounge previewing um, the Grand Slam last week um, and said that I didn't think Johnny Clayton could, could win another TV title. It, it has to stop somewhere. I think I'm wrong. I think he's just playing that well so consistently. He's got it when he's pushed. He's got it if he can ease through a game. He's, his B game at the minute, I'm, I'm not even sure we're seeing top-level Johnny Clayton. He, he is comfortable throughout this tournament so far. I definitely think if you're going to stop him, it had to be in the group stage because it's a short format and you can produce darts from the gods for that long. To do that in a race to 16 is incredibly tough. And I just don't think Price's antics are going to phase Johnny Clayton at all. He will get the opportunity. The consistency Johnny Clayton hits 140s will hurt Gerwin Price tomorrow, without a doubt, because he's just so, so good at them. And because of that, I am going to go for a Johnny Clayton victory. 16-11. I'm not, I'm not even sure it goes any closer than that. I'm going 16-11, as is Con, who said the scoreline, just as I said it. Uh, Alan says Clayton is in better form, but the longer format favours Price, in his opinion. Interesting. Jamie Price has not been playing well for a while. The only performance that comes in my head that was good, I think, was the one at Euro vs MVG. A very, very good game. That one. And Rose, ever present in the chat room, Johnny lets his darts do the talking just the way we like it to be at our nine darts. How good, by the way, was that Van Gerwen Gary Anderson game? Because that's what they did. They just let their darts do the talking. And as you can probably guess, I'm trying to make a little bit of a segue back to that game because I can see in the background Phil Bars is uploading the Michael Van Gerwen clip. So as I promised, once it was available, we will give you Michael Van Gerwen's little clip from his post-match interview. Then we're going to close the show and we'll see you all in a little bit. But this is Michael Van Gerwen. To be fair, I was not really in need for it. I just walked back and said something about myself. Do you know what I mean? But nothing towards him. He did it 20 times beforehand as well to work. I never said, but if you're going to count them hand by hand, how many times he did this in his life, you know the answer. Well, we, we saw you get scared of strike off. Of yeah, but what, what can I do? It's nothing. We all know uh, Gary, his performance was back, but also uh, it's, yeah, it's a little issues what he can have on the stage. And yeah, I, I think it wasn't need for him because I think he starts playing better again. And yeah, it's, it's part of the game, unfortunately. But yeah, in my opinion, there was no need for him. Maybe, I hope so. I hope it worked. Because then he got himself out of, out of the game, do you know what I mean? But uh, he never does it when he's 8 4 up. That's the weird thing, do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's my opinion. A little bit of needle, a little bit of shade. We actually missed a couple of talking points from this game, but I was hoping the clip was going to be up as a, as a guide for us. One, the counting error, by the way, messed up on stage, uh, messed up on the graphic as well. It looks like he had. One, two, four left, hits 42 to leave 82, uh, checks out 78. Um, big, big moment. 
Um, and then we had the little bit of needle between the two. Gary Anderson goes on to miss two darts at tops in that leg as well. And it costs him. And didn't Michael Van Gerwen let him know about it, Charlie? Um, look, we know Anderson is, he likes a moment nowadays, doesn't he? He's not quite just let his darts do the talking as he, as he once was. The man says he just wants to play darts, but he just wants to play darts without any antics. And look, I'm going to say the same as the thing we had recently. I can't remember who it was um, with the stage croaking at the back and they had their foot in the, in the encroachment zone. Yes, Michael may have been mumbling under his breath to himself. Just don't do it. And then these things can't happen, can they? Yeah, they can't happen, but um, I think some players are a little bit more... They nitpick, don't they, on sort of little, little tiny things. And look, if, if it affects them, then fair enough. And you have to respect that players are affected by different things. But I think at the point now, Gary is, is at that stage where sometimes he's just happy and, and if he gets beat, he gets beat. And other times he's, he's got something. But, um, you know, look, I, I wasn't too sure whether there was, there was a bit when I saw the handshake as well after the game. Gary was very quick to just hand go... Shake hands with the referees, pick his stuff but and the go. The car was oh, running, mate. We know what Gary's <laughs> like. He'll be sat by a lake in three hours having a fish. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know what, what whether that was what was um, whether something was was a little bit going on anyway in the game. But um, look, Michael is how he is. He, he roars, and that's that's the way it is. You've just got to kind of accept it, and and that's the way he'll play. He does indeed. Um, right, gents, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. We, we're way ahead of time tonight. Obviously, that's what happens when. There's four games to talk about. One of them was incredibly flat, and there's only two games to preview. Fallon Sherrick once again just just keeps on doing it. We will no doubt be talking about her for a long, long time um, over the next couple of days too. Um, as I said, a quick reminder then, folks, of a couple of things before we do go. Live Lounge episode 50 is back on Monday night myself. Bill Bars, you actually get to see the ginger mess in front of the camera. And Lee Boyce will be here to bring you our 50th ever show. Um, really, really looking forward to that one. I'd love to be able to tell you some more of what's going on in it. But that's for us to discuss tomorrow because we still haven't quite got there. Um, <laughs> that's just the way we go here at Online Darts when it is so, so busy. Um, the week after, a little something to look forward to as well. The Monday night after the Players' Championships we will have an extra long show for show number 51 because the night after the Players' Championships, we'll be reviewing that. But on that evening is the World Championship qualifier and the World Championship draw. So we will be live on this channel reacting to the World Championship draw as it happens and a few little comments after that as well. So do make sure you are subscribed to the channel to make sure you don't miss out for any moment when we go live boys i'm going to put you on the spot actually very very quickly before we go one name now that there are only eight names left in this tournament who wins charlie come to you first <laughs> what's the more thinking i do this to you every time i've called you in last minute for the show and now i'm throwing you straight under the bus go on it was like the one when you told me about both halves of the draw and i didn't even have them up so i started Name, name to win it. Come on, you know who's still in the tournament. Michael Van Gogh. Oh, the Green Machine. And it's going to be it's going to be emotional. I think when he win when he wins it, if he wins it, of course, I think he'll be very emotional with with it, and he'll have finally got over the line after the last couple of years of of 
you know, hard couple of years, really. Luke, over to you. For anyone that doesn't watch this channel regularly, I really reluctantly pick Mike Van Gogh, and I never, I never go for him. I, I, to be honest, this year I've not been a fan, but I completely agree with everything Charlie just said there. I think he'll win it, and I completely agree. I think, you know, we've seen in a couple of the floor tournaments there was huge emotion when he won that floor tournament. I think when he wins a TV title, there'll be there'll be tears, but happy tears, and he and he's finally getting back into some form. I do think he'll win it, though. I think that this time round, this is his chance, and he's playing so well. He's grand, he's now not going to win it. Well, yeah, you two are both mixing, but to be fair, I think I'm leaning there as well. But we all know what we really want to see happen, and that's this one. <laughs> I can think of seven players that I would rather win than James Wade, but there you go. Oh, <laughs> my man. One more little underlying story, actually, right now, boys. If, if Johnny Clayton defeats Gerwin Price tomorrow and somehow despite the fact he is averaging 90 for the tournament and is playing very, very badly for his own standards, Peter Wright lifts the trophy on Sunday, we will have a new world number one. That's a big if. It's a very, very big if. <laughs> but that also means that a victory tomorrow for Gerwin Price will secure that world number one spot for him for at least until the players' championships some more more stories. It's not just Balancheric playing for big points in the rankings. Boys, thank you very much for joining me on a little bit of a show that's been up, down and all over the place. But that's just the way we do it sometimes when we do these things on the fly. Uh, been a pleasure to talk to you both. Chat room, you guys have been exceptional once again. All 110 of you watching at this moment and everybody that's tuned in for the rest of the evening. Um, you've all been super. Herb. Um, we will be back once again tomorrow night for night number seven of the fallout. But I'd love to tell you who is on the show, but I can't remember. Um, it's open on another tab. Charlie, you're definitely back tomorrow because that's just how you roll, isn't it? He's gone. He's frozen. <laughs> he's that devastated that he's on again. He's just doing an absolute runner. Um, guys, you've been superb. Uh, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Head over to our YouTube channel to watch the rest of the interviews. Um, and, yeah, thanks for watching. We'll speak to you all tomorrow once again here on The Fallout Bar. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.